Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of Please Bear With Me with your host, Travis Corley. And it was not a fun weekend for Baylor Bears football fans. The Bears got embarrassed. But you know what? The blackout was a big success from the pan- from the fan perspective. And pretty much as equally as bad on the other end of things with the play that we got on the field, unfortunately. Bears fall 31-3. to Kansas State totally dominated us. No way around it. That's the truth. And you know what? It is just me today. Had uh, had my guest come down with COVID, so I'm hoping that you are healthy and back next week. But hey, stuck with me. So let's get into it. Please bear with me. Welcome in once again to Please Bear With Me. I am Travis Corley. And hey, my son turned one years old today. Pretty pumped, pretty excited. Had the family over on Sunday for uh, for a party, for a little get-together. And of course, the theme of the party was Star Wars because my son is obviously one with the Force. And we had some cool themed... Um, dips and little snack appetizers and it, by far my favorite had to be seven leia dip okay that's enough of the dad jokes i guess um just trying to put off the ine- the inevitable of talking about oh this kansas state game so so embarrassing like there's there's no way around it the bears got dominated the bears got embarrassed at home in front of the best crowd at mclean for the year easily the best crowd of the year and it was cold and the fans still showed up all blacked out but uh the game was not not fun not fun at all bears fall 31 to 3 uh you know we're not statistically out of the big 12 race but let's be honest guys we're, we're out of the big 12 race and um you know not what a lot of us expected but um we still got two games ahead of us that, that are big games. So excited for, for these next two games, two rivalry games and uh, a, a chance to knock TCU off an undefeated TCU and, and ruin their season, which of course we're going to talk about later. Uh, but man, bears fell 31 to three. Uh, let's run through these stats here. First downs, Kansas state 30 to Baylor's 17 third down efficiency. Kansas state was eight of 13. I don't know what exactly what percentage that is. I know it's over 50%, and that's terrible. Uh, Bears were 4 of 12 on third down. You know how aggressive we are in fourth down, and we were 0 for 3. 0 for 3 on fourth down. So really tough day for the Bears offensively um, and just as a whole. Total yards, 405 yards for Kansas State, 306 for Baylor. And uh, Baylor, only 103 rushing yards on the ground. Um, 23 rush attempts, though, so 4.5 yards per carry is not is not bad. And, uh, but what really, really bit us in the, in the behind there is, is two turnovers and Kansas state dominating the time of possession 37 
minutes, 37 seconds to hour, 22 minutes and 23 seconds. And if you, you know, if someone approached me that had never watched uh, Big 12 football, had never watched Kansas State football, or really never watched football in general and say, hey, um, could you show me how Kansas State just like is as a program? And I would show them this game because that is the most Kansas State game that has ever Kansas Stated. I mean, they dominated Baylor in every aspect of the game. And you know what? That's not how I expected it um, to go, especially after the first, you know, drive and a half of the game because Baylor comes out and Kansas State is kind of driving on us. They get past midfield, they get into a fourth down, and it's a fourth down sack. And Bears have the ball, turnover on downs for Kansas State, and the, the crowd's into it. Hey, here we go. Like, that's exactly how we want to start. We always want to start kicking off on defense, and then to get a fourth down stop, not only a fourth down stop, but with a sack. Like, okay, like, we're already pressuring the quarterback. Like, let's go. And then on the Bears' first offensive possession, we're, we're driving. Like, they're not stopping us. And we get into the red zone, and... Shapin gets a little antsy with his feet, gets uh, gets a little bit too excited back there, a little bit nervous as he as he goes through to his second or third progression and throws a wild ball. It gets tipped. It's an interception and it is all downhill from there. Like I really felt like we were about to control that game had we gone down there and scored a touchdown. And as you guys know, Baylor undefeated under Dave Aranda when scoring a touchdown on their first offensive drive. So really would have been feeling good about ourselves after uh, that drive. How do we score a touchdown? But really, all downhill from there, and not a good day for the Bears. And I'm not, I don't want to spend too long on this game, but I do want to bring up just just a few things. Um, first, defensively, I was very disappointed in like not being prepared for Deuce Vaughn to catch the ball in the flats. Um, it felt like. Oh man, it felt like we just gave them too many easy just dumps down to Deuce Vaughn and and let him go with no one within ten yards of him. And look, he's gonna he's gonna juke you out as he did to I think it was uh, one of our safeties in for for a touchdown later in the game. But like we corner blitzed so much that game and it was so ineffective. And I just feel like when you bring in a corner blitz, that really really opens up the flats for the running back and to not be prepared for that and to almost play into their hands I felt like with corner blitzes was disappointing to me I did not like our defensive game plan I don't think anything that we were doing was to limit Deuce Vaughn I I don't feel like that at all and it was it it stunk that uh, Martinez got hurt one because I don't like for anyone to get hurt but also because Will Howard is a far better quarterback than Adrian Martinez. And I talked about it at length for the Kansas State preview that I wanted to see Martinez in the game for the whole game. And as soon as Will Howard came in, their offense got a shot in the arm. And they were moving the ball on us. I mean, 8 of 13 on third downs. And some guy named Ben Sinnott, never heard of this guy before, is out there mossing us. Seven catches, 89 yards, two touchdowns. Mossed Christian Morgan. He was there for the play and didn't didn't make a a play on the ball. And on that catch, the the game really was put away. 
But, uh, man, I expected to see some defensive adjustments there coming into the second half, but we kept sending a corner blitz. Kept sending corner blitzes in the second half. Really ineffective. Don't understand it. Offensively, I think legitimate questions need to be raised about the offense. 38 passes to 23 rushes. That is not at all what the Baylor off the successful Baylor offense we've seen this year ha- has been nowhere near those numbers. 38 passes, 23 rushes. Richard Reese, nine carries. Our best running back and the run game by which this Baylor offense is predicated on, nine carries. Of those 23 rushes, Blake Shapin had seven. That That is not a winning combination. Shapin having, having seven carries is not good. Uh, 16 carries by running backs, seven carries by Blake Shapin. And hey, we, we it's not like we were running the ball badly. Four and a half yards per carry. That's every three runs is a first down. I mean, whew, just a really frustrating day for the Bears. And, um, you know, that that's kind of all that I want to uh, talk about with the Kansas State game. Uh, let's 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 move past that thing, at least specifically with the Kansas State game. I do want to um, talk about a few more things here. But hey, let's roll right into cap this game off. The oh-so-good player of the game. And John Mayers. Let's give it up for John Mayers. He uh, had a rough start to the year because, well, he wasn't playing. And as soon as he came in, he brought us that experience that we needed in the kicking game, severely needed in the kicking game. And John Mayers has our only three points of the game with a 37-yard field goal right before half. And going into half, that was the only other time I felt the Bears had a very little amount of momentum. We cut we cut it to a two-score game. We go into halftime. We're going to get the ball at half and come out. We can score and... and we're right back in this game, down by seven, and that's not how it went, obviously. But honorable mention, Josh Cameron had a nice game, six catches, 83 yards, and Al Walcott on the defensive end led the team with 11 tackles and two tackles for loss. All right, I uh, rarely do I uh, ask for fan questions on Twitter, uh, but I got a few here that I want to go through from... Uh, from nice book, Brian, have you ever seen a ghost? Um, you know, I was thinking about this today and I don't know if I even believe in ghosts. So for me to say that I've seen a ghost, um, I'm going to have to say negative. I, I don't think I've ever seen a ghost. Um, on that note, though, if you're looking, f- if you are a fan of ghosts and you're looking for a fun and good book to read, may I recommend Ghost Bully? authored by, of course, nice book, Brian. Uh, but Brian, no, I've, I've never seen a ghost and I do not think I want to see a ghost. Um, Artillery Bear 91 on Twitter. Uh, here we go. Overall, did we make a mistake with Blake or is this just an overall growing pains and rebuilding year? Whew, okay. Um, well, you know what? Let's, uh, I was asked it, so let's, let's have the shape in conversation. Um, 
And, and actually, before we have the shaping conversation, I want to bring in uh, Dave Aranda and let you guys hear what he had to say about Blake shaping. Put on your boots, let's all dance. Dave Aranda had a press conference. Let's say howdy and yeehaw. Dave Aranda's going to talk football. Dave's going to talk football. No, appreciate that. Yeah, full confidence in him. I think, you know, um, I think... There, there was probably some pressing by, by him. I think, um, I think his footwork um, probably illustrated some of that. You know, I think in the past where he'd step into throws and and be real confident with all of it. I think there was a pressing, you know, in a, in um, you know, uh, a pressure and everything that he was fighting. And so to get back to where. Um, you know, there is a really strong confidence and command and all of it. Like it, like it, he's done a lot for us this year. I think gives us the best chance uh, to be the best offense we can be and then for him to be the best that he can be. I think, you know, on the positive side of it, I thought he did really well running the ball when he needed to. I think that's kind of been a thing this year, whether it's a slide or whether it's a ball security and all of it. I thought he was real decisive in those instances where he had to run the ball and fight for yards and do all that. So, I mean, there's there's a progression there, and it's good to see him take it on. So there you have it. Um, you know, sounds like Dave is is confident in in Blake Shapin moving forward. Says he gives the Bears the the best chance to be the best offense that they can be. And look, uh, back in 2020. He did not move on from Charlie Brewer, as obvious as it was that he needed to be moved on from. And I'm assuming that he's going to show the same loyalty um, with Shapin. And we're going to see Shapin the rest of the year. But to answer your question, Artillery Bearer, did we make a mistake with Blake? Um, You know, I I went back and forth thinking about how I was going to answer this question. And I do not like when people are asked a question and talk for two or three minutes and never give you a straight answer. So I'm not going to do that. I am going to give you a straight answer. And at this point of the year, the answer is yes. I think we made a mistake moving on from Gary Bohannon. And look, you guys know I've been a huge, huge backer of Blake Shapin. I was excited about the decision to move to Blake Shapin. And I've stuck by that all year, um, kind of up until this point, because the reason for making this decision was that the Baylor offense was going to get opened up. It was going to look maybe a little bit different, still predicated on the wide zone, but we were going to be able to pass a lot more. We were going to have much more deep threat and uh, just a better passer. And look, we haven't seen that. We we just straight up have not seen that. And basically, this offense is the same offense as last year, minus the threat of a running quarterback. Shapin is very good when the offense is on schedule and when he's got a clean pocket. But when the offense gets off schedule and when the play breaks down, he is just not able to make a play. He's not. That is not his strong suit, and there are very few times this year where when the play has broken down, Shapin has been able to make a play for us. And the reason I think that, I mean, we should have stuck with Bohannon 
is because if we're going to run the same offense, we might as well have a threat to run at quarterback, which we don't right now. And just in general, in college football, you have got to have a playmaker back there at quarterback. You've got to have a guy that when the play does break down, which it is going to, he's able to get out of the pocket and make a play. And Shapin has not been able to do that this year. And I don't think he's going to be able to do that in the future. I think we've seen what, what he has and what he's good at. And I think at this point, in my opinion, I know what Blake Shapin is. And I, I, we can kind of see what his ceiling is going to be. So, yeah, we're running the same offense as last year, minus a threat at, at, at the rushing QB, minus that threat. So it, it's a, we're a little bit easier to guard, I think, this year. Do I think Shapin throws it better than Bohannon? Yeah, 100%. But we're running the same offense. And, and from the other side of that is we have seen and heard Dave Aranda talk about um, leadership on this team and how he needed people to step up to be leaders because we lost so many last year. And we've talked about, uh, he's talked about the immaturity of the team and we let our best leader and most mature, maybe not most mature, but probably the most mature player on our team last year, move on. If, if Bohannon was here unquestionably, he would be the leader of this team. And I think we miss his, his leadership. And I think we miss that calming presence of what Bohannon was for us last year. And so, yeah, to answer your question, I know that was a, a, a long, drawn-out um, answer. But yeah, I, I, I think we, we made a mistake moving on from Bohannon because even if we had kept Bohannon, you know, next year we still got two years out of Blake Shapin and an, and an opportunity for him to, to come out and start for us next year. But, uh, you know, is it time, though, to see what Kyron Jones, Jones has? Um, yeah, I think it is. I, I really think it is. Like I said, I, I, I think we know who Shapin is. I think we've seen what his ceiling can be. And I think at this point, Kyron Jones has a much higher ceiling. He has the ability to, to make plays happen. He has the ability to rush. And, uh, look, if we're, um, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be a little bit disappointed if next year we, uh, we trot out the, the same offense. Um, I'm just being honest with you. And it's likely going to happen. I do not expect Shapin to get benched at any point this year. And I would not bench him to start TCU. Not at all. But if we get to halftime and we don't have a touchdown and it's similar to the Kansas State game, yeah, I think it's time to uh, to see what Drones has. And if we don't, uh, Drones might look around and say, this this is the guy that that you're going to start above me. He he's only got um, you know if Shapin stays around for for till he graduates, Drones is only going to have one year to play. So hey, we don't have anything to lose the rest of the season. Uh, we're we're already bowl eligible. So hey, let's see what we got. Let's be aggressive. And uh, yeah, I I would like to see Drones get a shot. But if Shapin comes out and he's slinging the ball and this offense is moving, then yeah, stay with Shapin, keep him in there. But Man, I, I do think Drones at this point um, has a higher ceiling, ceiling than Blake Shapin. It sucks to say it, but um, here we are.
All right, I am very glad that we're through that part of the podcast because that that Kansas State game was not fun. So let's turn the page here and let's talk about this huge matchup in Waco, Texas against TCU, the number four team in the country. They are 10-0 and and they are currently in the college football playoff as much as I do not like to follow that. Hey, it's the truth and it really doesn't matter until after the uh, conference championships are played, but hey, they are number four in the college football playoff. They've clinched their spot in the Big 12 title. Sonny Dykes, new head coach, came over from SMU and an unprecedented first season for really a head coach um, at a new school. 10-0 has only been done twice in the Big 12. We'll talk about a, a, a little bit more about that later. But hey, last year, knocked Baylor out of the playoffs. I truly believe that if Baylor goes to, TC, to into Fort Worth and wins that game, we are likely in the playoff last year. So hey, we have a great, great opportunity to knock our rivals out of the college football playoff. Because I do not believe TCU is going to get in with one loss. So yeah, I'm pretty excited to uh, to see if we can avenge that. Because, uh, man, we don't like TCU on this podcast. Uh, no Bears fans like, like Horned Frogs fans. Nobody. But this TCU team is first in scoring offense and yards per game in the Big 12. Fourth in scoring defense and fifth in yards per game um, in the Big 12. So, best offense in the Big 12. And they've got a average but very aggressive and fast and physical defense who has been improving throughout the year and are playing really really well right now they played really good against texas so i mean we are pretty much going to be playing this tcu game uh team uh while they're playing their best and let's talk about that offense it is a quick strike offense no doubt about it they are going to spread you out and they are going to make you decide what you want to do defensively and then they're just going to go the other way with it and they are going to take what you give them. That is that is what Aranda talked about in his press conference as well. Basically like, a, hey, if we zig, they are going to zag and they've got the talent at running back and wide receiver to do it. They have 13 touchdowns of over 50 yards. That is insane. That is like a uh, 2010s Baylor-type offense right there. 13 touchdowns of over 50 yards is is like so hard to do. And the reason they're able to do that is because they're dynamic at wide receiver and running back. Mainly at wide receiver, Quentin Johnston. I think he's had the best year of any wide receiver in the conference. 6'4" long, athletic, really good ball skills, really good contested catch maker, can get yards after the catch. This is a first-round pick NFL wide receiver. He is third in the Big 12 in receiving with 716 yards, and he has uh, struggled with injury here lately. He did not play uh, in their game uh, before Texas, which now is escaping me. I think it was Texas Tech. He did not play. And you could see how how much the TCU offense missed Quentin Johnston. But he played against Texas, and he is going to play against Baylor, and he is going to be a big, big 
problem. And as soon as we try to shut him down and bring numbers to stop Johnston, they have got a running back that can hit a home run at any time. Kendra Miller is a speedy back. He is second in the Big 12 in rushing. He's got 1,147 yards so far on the year. He's third in the Big 12 in yards per carry at 6.6. He's tied first in the Big 12 in touchdowns with 13. You know who he's tied with? Richard Reese. Richard freaking Reese, which, man, still upset we only gave him nine carries against Kansas State. But hey, this TCU offense is by far going to be the best offense we face all year. And, uh, man, if there's ever a time for this defense to step up and for this defensive staff to just make the best defensive game plan they've they've ever made, it's this week against an undefeated rival in the rivalry. Uh, man, I am really excited to see what this defense is going to do against this offense and, uh, man, would be really nice to build some confidence uh, shutting this offense down if we're able to do it. On the other side of the ball, like I said, this TCU defense has been improving game by game by game. They've got the talent. They just maybe haven't put it all together yet, but they started to put it all together against Texas. They held them to 10 points, and they play fast. They are aggressive, and they attack the run violently. They play lots of man coverage. They change up their pressures a lot. And, you know, there's not really one person that I I think stands out on this defense, but they they play together, and they trust each other, which is something that Baylor has struggled with on defense. But, uh, yeah, they are playing well at the right time of the year, And if this Baylor offense um, is able to establish the run game against a um, violent attacking defense against the run, I feel pretty good that that we'll be able to score. Um, So it kind of depends on if we're going to give our running backs more than, what, 16 carries. I I expect that number to go up. And if, if they are going to stop the run and bring numbers into the box to do that, which I expect them to do, and they start stopping the run, Blake Shapin's going to have to play the game of his life. And these wide receivers are going to have to play the games of their life. And uh, we're going to have to get that passing game rolling. And now the bare necessities. All right. Bare necessities versus those horny toads. First, Blake Shapin is going to have to play out of his mind. This high-flying TCU offense is going to score, and they are going to score quick. So Baylor is going to need some big plays on the offensive side of the ball as well to keep up. And in order to do that, Shapin is going to have to play the best game he has ever played in a Baylor Bears uniform. Secondly, we have to limit the big plays. I expect to see one or two, but we can't let this TCU offense just get whatever they want in big chunks, 20, 30 yards, 13 touchdowns over 50 yards. That is the number one thing on defense we've got to do. Quentin Johnston and Kendra Miller are both home run threats. So we've, we've got to tackle well and we've got to limit those big plays. Third, 
I don't think Baylor is going to win unless they have five sacks or three interceptions. It's going to be crucial to win the turnover battle and also to pressure the quarterback. But look, if we don't have five sacks or three interceptions, I don't think the Bears can win. Game prediction. Yes, what is your game prediction? I will tell you right now. All right, so I laid out the bare necessities of what Baylor's going to have to do to win this game. And before I give you my prediction, this is via the 1012 network since 2012. That is when the Big 12 began its current team format of 10 teams. Only two teams have started 10 and 0. Neither of them Oklahoma and Texas, so I had to throw that in there. But those two teams being 2012 Kansas State and 2015 Oklahoma State. And do you know which team ended their undefeated seasons? Yes, that is right. It was yours truly, your Baylor Bears. In 2012, number one Kansas State comes into Waco. Colin Klein is pretty much leading the Heisman campaign, and they are on their way to a national championship, but that dies in Waco, Texas. Lake Seastrunk, 19 carries, 185 yards, and a touchdown Glasgow Martin, 19 carries, 113 yards, three touchdowns. The Baylor defense with three interceptions and knocks off number one Kansas State, 52 to 24. In 2015, number six Oklahoma State comes to Waco. Baylor has 700 yards of offense. Katie Cannon, five receptions, okay, only five receptions, right? But for 210 yards and two touchdowns. Baylor, ourselves, we have three turnovers and a missed field goal, but still win the game 45 to 35. And here we have it again. The third time since 2012 that a team has started 10 and 0, and it is the TCU Horn Frogs coming in to Waco to face the Baylor Bears. And Baylor, we have nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing to lose at this point. Big 12 championship, not really possible. We're already bowl eligible. So really, um, man, we've got to play fast and we've got to be aggressive and we've got to play green. And I expect to see that this weekend. And like I said, if we come out here and we lay an egg on offense in the first half, hey, Let's trot drones out there and let's see what we've got. Shapin's going to have to have his best game in a Baylor uniform. And I expect TCU to bust out at least a few big plays and it could get really out of hand if Baylor is not able to match their energy and come out ready to play. With that being said, I do not think Baylor is going to be able to keep up offensively and I think TCU wins by multiple possessions, and I'm saying 35 to 20 TCU. Thanks for hanging in there with me today. Let's get to these big 12 picks, and I'm almost 500. I'm at 31, 32, and 1. And last week, let's see here, I went four and four. Ha! So went 500 last week. 
So only a few more weeks here to uh, to get back to 500 for me. But let's see where I was right. Uh, Kansas State came to Waco to face Baylor. Baylor minus three points, and I took Kansas State. Obviously, we know the score there. Don't need to spend more time on that. Iowa State at number 18, Oklahoma State. Iowa State was favored by one point, and I took Oklahoma State. They won 20-14. to 14. Number 7, TCU, went to number 24, Texas. And Texas was favored by seven points. And yes, I gladly took the Horned Frogs plus seven, and they won the game 17-10. to 10. And then East Carolina went to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati was favored by five points. I took ECU. Cincinnati won, but they did not cover. They won 27-25, so I was right there. Where I was wrong, though, OU at West Virginia. OU minus eight points. I took OU, and West Virginia won outright 23-20. Kansas went to Texas Tech, and Kansas was getting four points. And uh, I took the Jayhawks. They ended up losing 43-28. Temple went to Houston. And Houston was favored by 20 points. For some reason, I decided to take Houston. Couldn't tell you why. Uh, Houston ended up winning, uh, but only by 7, 43 to 36. And then number 25 UCF went to number 19 Tulane. Tulane, minus 2 points, and I took the home team there. UCF won outright 38 to 31, so I was wrong there. So yeah, 4 and 4 last week. Um, let's see what we can do here no, uh, this week. Number four, TCU at Baylor. You guys know how much, uh, man, that really pained me to go through that game prediction and uh, and and to say the Bears were going to lose by by multiple possessions. But TCU is only favored by two and a half points here, and I'm going to take TCU um, to win the game. Number 15, Kansas State at West Virginia. Kansas State favored by seven and a half points. I think they win by more than a touchdown, so give me Kansas State. Texas visits Kansas. Oh, man, I'm really excited um, about this game. We all know the history, the rich football history between Texas and Kansas. And uh, Texas on a one-game losing streak versus the Jayhawks. They are heading up to Lawrence to face the Jayhawks. They are favored by nine points. And give me Kansas. I will have my victory. Let's go, Kansas, plus nine points. Tech at Iowa State. Iowa State favored by three and a half points. And uh, look, I think Tech's the better team. So I'm going to take Tech plus the three and a half points. Number 22, Oklahoma State at OU. Some bedlam action. Um, we are running out of bedlams in the, uh, in the football future. So very few of these remaining. It is in Norman. Not sure, really sure what Oklahoma State's quarterback situation is. They are not very good without Spencer Sanders. OU is favored by seven and a half points. They are fighting for bowl eligibility. So yeah, I'm going to take OU winning by more than a touchdown. Navy at number 20 UCF. UCF favored by 16 and a half points. And that is a lot of points. But you know what? UCF's playing really well. So I'm going to take UCF. Houston at East Carolina, East Carolina favored by six points and give me East Carolina at home uh, to win by more than six points. Number 25, Cincinnati at Temple. Cincinnati minus 17 points. That is so many points. And uh, man, I think I'm going to take Temple. I am going to take Temple plus those 17 points. Thank you everyone for bearing with me this week. Let's turn the page on that Kansas State game. Let's go out. Let's play aggressive. Let's show up to McLean on Saturday. And, uh, hey, 
let's play well and let's try to get a win here against TCU and, and ruin their season. Let's ruin that college football playoff for them. It really pained me, guys. Like, I, I did not have fun choosing TCU to win that game. Do I think the Bears can win? Yeah, but we are going to have to play one hell of a game in order for that to happen. Look out next week. Hopefully going to have Max Garner on here. We're going to talk some baseball. And hopefully, we're going to all be laughing at Travis for the stupid uh, game prediction that he had and all making fun of me because the Baylor Bears ended up knocking off the TCU Horned Frogs. Um, hey, see you guys in McLean on Saturday. This is Travis Corley saying stay safe and sick and Bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley, in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.